0: requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic.
1: An altogether quiet end to the transfer window summed up City's week, really, with the winter break providing a very relaxed fortnight at the CFA. It's Fulham in the FA Cup to come at the weekend, and there's some interesting odds and ends to tide us over until then, too. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hiya, Sam. Hello. How are you doing?
0: All right, yeah. Like you say, it's been fairly well. it's been fairly relaxing, hasn't it, in terms of City news? Um... Not, not an awful lot going on. Players been away enjoying themselves. Radu's over in Sri Lanka looking at safaris and stuff. <laughs> Can't argue with that, can you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the other thing. I, I, this is this has been raging in my uh, Twitter mentions this morning. What's the craziest piece of advice you've ever been given by a football coach?
0: I think my kind of football upbringing was so. There was no advice either way.
1: So that's possibly worse than I mean because mine, mine was uh, don't dive if it's going wide. I was like I don't know where the shots going. Yeah,
0: don't know where the shots going. Yeah, that is mental. I mean, who told you that? Uh,
1: That was or or uh, like
0: uh, when or what? Yeah, I was like twelve. It was
1: yeah, it was uh, Ashton United under Uh, (laughs) twelves. I dived to cover the post, and it was uh, it was don't uh, keeper don't dive if it's going wide. I was like I didn't know it was going wide when he shot did I
0: Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's, that is very weird, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I don't I don't remember. It's been so long since I've been a coach. When was the last time I did a proper <laughs> session? I was probably like 17 at the oldest. I'd probably done a proper session. But even then, by then, that was like men's football. Yeah. And it was just, you know, you turn up and do a few drills and have a game or whatever so
1: right well we'll crack on with today's show then shall we sam um if you sign up to the athletic right now you can read all the Sam's stuff on city and if you sign up you'll get 33 percent off the price of a full subscription just go to the athletic.com forward slash man pod um let's uh, we, we promised a show on raheem sterling sam uh, we will come to that a bit later on but i feel like we should tie yeah. up the uh, the kind of news lines and odds and ends first um let's start with uh, uh julian alvarez is it julian alvarez is it uh,
0: Julian? I'd it's, I don't know. it's more like Jul- Julien, Julian. Julian out. I mean, I'm not. G- yeah. I'm not going to do the Spanish accent. I'll just go as far as the the loose pronunciation of the J. Um yeah. I've not actually heard it, actually. But um, yeah, I'd imagine it would be.
1: Yeah, um, in for around. Uh, well, it's it's something in the region of 14 to 20 million, isn't it? From uh, this is another one. Is it River Plate? River Plate? I don't know.
0: Uh, no. Um, yeah, plates fine.
1: Plate River Plate. Um, so, I mean, who is he? What, what can he offer? Because he's he's 22. He's not really one for the future, is he?
0: well yeah exactly um i don't know not really one for the future but not for the immediate either um it's kind of one for the next maybe six months but maybe 12 months maybe 18 months it's it's a weird one so i did an article on it which is which is up now which people may have read already or will will hopefully go and read um so he is a first team signing definitely um you know it's it's tempting to think that with the cfg model and all of that it could be one of them, but it's not one of those. Um, and like, like they believe he's good enough to contribute now, but also they're like, well, there's so much competition for places, and the level's so high, it could actually harm his development. Yeah. So may as well stay over there, which I kind of get. And this is my uneducated kind of opinion on it. But I'm also thinking, what if if he was that good, like top top level, it'd be in now surely at 22 years of age Granted, he turned 22 on monday but it's not it's not very young um but again yeah maybe it is the developed thing you know maybe it is the a, a big adaptation from from south america to europe and and all that kind of thing
1: are there any parallels with jesus there because because they they officially signed jesus didn't they in the in the summer but then he moved yeah. in the winter is the, is it kind of similar here um because he's he's signed yeah. now but he's, he's staying there and coming next season
0: yeah absolutely although i think i suppose you could look at that both ways and there's kaiki as well who you know was signed from fluminese they'd left him there but then fluminese were like Hold on a minute, we're just developing somebody else's player now. So forget it. So they stopped playing him and City were like, okay, we'll bring him in early. But the thing with with Jesus is he was 19 when he yeah. when he came in. And I've, so there might there may well be parallels. And look, maybe in six months or a year, Alvarez does come in and it's the same kind of impact. It's like, okay, fair enough. And he's just developed at a different rate. Um so it's quite a difficult one to pin down. And then the other the other thing that's in the article is you know, City is still gonna try and sign a striker, and if they get Haaland then, you know, there's no real rush for Alvarez to come in. And then I'm thinking as well, independently of what's, you know, what sources are saying, if the competition's too big now, what happens if they do sign Harland or somebody else? Or where's he going to fit then? Yeah. And then does yeah. he stay at River Plate for the full year? I think he wants to come as soon as the Liberty Stories is over. So there's different, there's around in July and that's when the, the con- that's when his kind of loan deal back to River ends on the, the day after the second leg of the last 16 Copa-Libertadores game. But if River go through, then there's a clause triggered where he just stays until, you know, it's the Libertadores around. is over. Yeah. And then I think the next round's in August and there's one in September. I think the semifinals are in September and then the finals are 29th of October. Um, but then obviously the World Cup's in like three months Well, so he might
1: not even arrive until after the World Cup then in that he time. might
0: well he might not but I think he wants to come as soon as like the Libertadores is over so if they win it I think maybe they'd just say okay forget it we'll just stay here and I don't know Um or but if you know if they go out in September or August he's like right let's go but like I say it's a difficult one to know because if they do get Haaland then he might get squeezed out a bit more, but then the suggestion is also if they don't get Harland, and I'm not sure how true this is, but one of the things that's been said is if they don't get Harland, they'll just go okay, let's get Alvarez in now. And as far as I can tell, there's a clause of about 1.2 million pounds, and if City wanted to bring him in, even when River was still in the Libertadores, they would just pay that, and then and then it's, it only comes to Manchester. Yeah, jobs are good. So, so there is a suggestion that he would be the one they'd turn to if they didn't get Harland, which. I suppose it's it's weird, isn't it? Because that's like that's kind of exciting, and it shows how much they rate it. But pressure, then it also yeah, kind yeah, of it is shows pressure. it's
1: very very yeah, very big
0: pressure. I though. mean, if that if that is true, you know, like I, I wouldn't want to nail my colours to the mast too strongly on that one because I'm not sure, you know, how concrete that is. But also, you never know what's going to happen in six months anyway. Like if Xavi Felix can leave Atletico Madrid because they've got financial problems and he's going to cost eighty million euros or something. You think, oh, maybe they'd do that. But yeah. maybe maybe they do think, well, why do when we've got Alvarez already and he costs, well, however much? Because there's a bit of a depends who you ask on that one, whether they're in Manchester or, or Buenos Aires. Um, but yes, yeah, so, but then it's one of those where it's like, in terms of that pressure, they obviously think, okay, well, we'll we use this guy then. Um, but again, if they do sign Haaland, then they won't necessarily use him. Uh, where does he fit? Kind of thing. So <laughs> it, it, it is a weird kind of wait and see. But well, they do me... rate him a lot, but not. Kind of so much that it'd be better than I don't know Haaland. but then I suppose yeah. Harland's unbelievable, isn't he? so yeah.
1: Well, let, let me fold in this question from Jules on Twitter, uh, also known as the Bertieful South. Um, whose place is most under threat from the arrival of uh, Alvarez?
0: I don't know. Like all of them, in a sense, in the in but in the sense that all of them play as a false nine. So, like, you know, Foden does it sometimes. Grealish does it sometimes. De Bruyne does it sometimes. Sterling doesn't play as a false nine, but he plays as a number nine. But he does it sometimes. And it's like, well, if he comes in and plays down the middle, then one of them isn't, you know, you can't play Foden and Grealish in terms of middle and left. Maybe one of them plays on the right. But the point being is, even if that happens and you say, okay, well, we'll play Foden on the right, Alvarez in the middle... Grealish on the left, then Morris isn't playing on the right, or Sterling isn't playing on the right. So all of them, really. But in terms of who he is and what he does, yeah, he's a, he's a central forward, but he's been playing as a false nine a lot in Argentina. That's been I've been told that's very effective. You know that that works out very well.
1: Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having I'm having thoughts here that City have spent so long looking for a striker that they're now actively going out looking at false nines. <laughs> I know, yeah,
0: it is. But I mean, you can kind of you can kind of see it. Um, it might be a bit like the Kane thing, where it's. You know, he scores goals in the box. He also drops off. Um, He can do the false nine thing when he's asked. He can stay in the box when he's asked, and it might be that kind of thing with Alvarez as well. But again, like I, I mean, like they they definitely are signing him for the first team, and there definitely is some like confidence there, a lot of confidence there that he can come in. But I'm I'm just trying to be like, I I don't know which way it's going to go. You know, we, like for argument's sake, when Foden was coming through, and everyone was like, oh, he should go on loan or whatever, I was like, look, within a couple of years, we're going to be in a situation where we're talking about this kid. Being a first team, first team would City, no problems. Last summer, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if, come six months, we're talking about Raheem Sterling being amazing again. And look, we're kind of—I'm not saying we're definitely there yet because he didn't have a great performance against Southampton, and everyone was very unhappy about that. But I've normally, whether it's right or wrong, I've got a very kind of clear idea of how I think things are going to pan out in six to twelve months, whether I'm right or wrong. But yeah. I just don't know with Averis. I don't know if he's going to be amazing and have like Gabriel Jesus' impact or if he's still going to be at river plate or or if he's over here and training a lot but like Kaiki, just think what's going on with him like i, I just don't know i just don't know I, I, I think i think as no reflection on his ability but on a reflection of circumstances it could be either
1: yeah yeah.
0: Um, because you know he's got to adapt. Like his Aguero still moved to Europe and he was with Atletico Madrid before he came to Manchester. So obviously to from Argentina to Spain to Manchester, you've got a big adaptation there. But still he was in Europe and you know he had he had experience of the, of, of a big move and a and a different level, which Alvarez obviously hasn't got. So that's something to factor in as well. And Kaiki his performances for the under-23s, he's shown flashes, but like he's not he's not necessarily shown more than some of the Academy lads have because come over, doesn't speak the language and apparently, according to people I know anyway, they, they say the ones who um, fit in best in terms of overseas academy sign-ins or players who are involved in the academy are ones who obviously speak the language but have a similar kind of structured academy. So Eric Garcia knew what was going on because, you know, Barca was a very same kind of structure. And I think Lavia because was he from Andelect? I might have got the club wrong, but wherever the club he came from was, they had a very kind of similar structure as well. Whereas Fluminense, it was different, and it was just it's just a kind of different world for for Kayaki in yeah. different, different respects, and also he's younger as well. But he's got a he's got some kind of first team path as well. You know, they're not they weren't signing him to to loan out, but it's one of those where if things don't go well, then you won't get that first team path. But if they do, then. Then you know it's are. open to yeah. you whereas you know with a lot of these CFG sign-ins you know that first team path isn't really there you know something would have to change dramatically Along their loans and training and transfers and whatever. Like to get into Pep's team.
1: But yeah, it's Zinchenko, isn't it? It's like that. It's, yeah, it's we the won't go into that yeah. again, but yeah.
0: they were basically trying to drive him down the motorway to Wolverhampton a couple of years ago. <laughs> so he was just like, no. And then, it's, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, there we
1: are. Um, just talking about Pep's team as well, Sam. Let's uh, move through to uh, Shao Cancelo. Uh, his new contract announced on Tuesday. Uh, well deserved, really, I think. Um, his progress yeah, at City's yeah. been remarkable from the player that he was when he arrived to, to the player that he is now. Now,
0: wasn't it yeah did i mention a couple of weeks ago i read i read the article um that i wrote when he signed i think i did and like even the people who said he was going to sign and do really well were kind of talking about him crossing from the right wing and putting balls into the box which obviously he hasn't he is putting balls into the box but in a very different way isn't he yes yeah, it's, it's um, with so it outside the outside
1: of his right foot from the left <laughs> yeah
0: yeah even people who if you know even people who thought or knew he was going to be a success didn't imagine him to do it in this way um and, you know, on The Athletic, when we've got breaking news stories like this, one of the things we'll do, they'll do like the newsy bit at the top and then they'll do like a bit of a Q&A thing with the writers underneath, like like me. So our news desk will like, can you answer a couple of questions? And one of them was, was there any doubt about his future? And obviously they're not suggesting there was, it's just kind of for anyone coming in cold to this. And like, no, there isn't. But obviously if you remember, and Guardiola's kind of confirmed this, but two years ago, when the pandemic was kicking off and we were in lockdown, and there was all those links to Barca, he did he did want to go. You know, he hadn't settled in well at all. The kind of tactical demands were taking their toll. He couldn't get as consistent running the team. He wasn't playing particularly well and didn't particularly like it. And obviously, the lockdown and the pandemic made things harder for everyone. So he was like, right, I'm just going to call time on this. But that is that is ancient history now, isn't it? Like you'd never know.
1: I it's, mean, it's almost, he, they're almost he, two separate players from that one to this yeah. one, aren't they?
0: And also, like, to, to the fact that he's just an unbelievable left-back. Like, I think we've said this before recently as well, but I don't even know. Like, does he need to sign a left-back? I think they might maybe need to sign a right-back, really. Um, and just keep Cancelo where he is, but you kind of use him as both. But then you think, could they sign a right-back who plays at left-back as well? I don't know. Could he get Castagna from Leicester? Would that even make sense? I don't know. Um, but it's it's just a really good balance of what they've got going on. I mean, it's unfortunate because I always say this, but I think Sinchenko is fantastic and even going back probably three or four months I'd have said I want to see a bit more of uh, of Zinchenko in the team but Cancelo has just been so good like he was was obviously he he emerged at the start of last year in terms of really kicking on when he was playing on the right going into midfield and then going into attacking midfield and then towards the end of the season he was more of a left back wasn't he but not inconsistent but he would do some mad things With Guardiola obviously thought we can't be having that in big Champions League games and he dropped him for a couple of games in the end for the final yeah. or he didn't get in the team and even at the start of this season I was like there's still a bit of that but I mean since then he's kind of taken that out of his game he's he's taken the you know the chance creation to another level he was already good at it anyway like yeah he's just he has been unbelievable he is a, he is a he's a great player um, and yeah fair play to him he's just one of these things that City do like it's quite good for a journalist covering City actually it's probably something I should do a bit more but um you can basically guess when players are going to get new contracts, and you just make a couple of calls to try and confirm your suspicions. But now we've got Cancelo signed up, we we know that Rodri's probably going to get one as well. I can't remember if that's been reported. I can't remember if I even wrote something about it in the summer, but Rodri signed in the same summer. So, same yeah. year. He's same. You know, Rodri's just as playing important. Playing really well. Playing yeah. really well. Get him tied down. So, you'd imagine that would be coming as well.
1: Yeah. Um, just while we're on contracts as well, uh, I saw your tweet about James McAtee uh, yes. turned down loans from, uh, I'm quoting from your tweet here, Rangers, Swansea, Bournemouth, uh, QPR, Huddersfield, uh, some Dutch clubs, some Belgian clubs, some Spanish clubs. Um, there must be thoughts of a new contract there now if he's if he's turning down these moves, because it suggests maybe he's been offered minutes or yeah. assured that he'll get, well, get game yeah. time.
0: Yeah, not so much the minutes, but I think just the kind of the plan, that first team path. And like... I've written this so much over the last few days and I've said it so much in like conversations, you start to think, you know, it's like handing it out like like Toffee, really. But um it's it's a it's a legit thing. And you know, for for them to say to him, If you stay and do this, you will have basically what Phil's got, you know, basically what Cole Palmer's going through. Um, that kind of route, and I think Lavia has as well. Um that is It's it's a big thing and it doesn't come easily. So my kind of suspicion about the contract was basically McAtee always wanted that kind of assurance that he was going to either get minutes or there'd be a, a path to getting minutes. But obviously he was very keen to go and get minutes anywhere. And I didn't think that City generally would say, don't worry, we will play you there. Because if anyone yeah, came yeah. for contract, you know, if Sterling said I-, I want to play however many games or Cole Palmer says I want to play how many games, they, they say, Well, we can't promise you anything, you've got to earn it. You know, that's a- that's how Guardiola's whole thing works. So I was like, Are they ever gonna do that? But basically I think Guardiola's said recently, arm around the shoulder, look, we believe in you. Like this is a genuine thing. Like you may have to be patient. Um, but this is this is the route for you, and you you do have a chance of becoming a first team player here. Um even towards the end of last week it was like he wants to play so much. City didn't want him to go on loan for various reasons. You know, partly because they think, you know, well, like like Foden, you'd be, you're you better off staying and learning from us. Also, maybe selfishly they're thinking, well, you know, if there's COVID COVID problems, we need quality players as backup. And also like, there's like not not even like one of the main reasons, but when they have light training sessions because it's like the day after a game or whatever, or like players are recovering two days after a game or whatever it may be, like they want the level to still be competitive for like yeah, the guys who are they're on the bench players, they're coming yeah. back. Yes, exactly. So if you have got people like Mcatee and Josh Wilson Esbrand who didn't go on loan because City said the same thing, like we may need you as cover at left back and also we value having you around. Like it just makes the whole thing more competitive. So they were reluctant to let him go, but I think if if Mcatee had said, "Look, I really do want to go and play." City, City might have said, "All right," but you know it needs to be somewhere like Rangers or like Swansea, where they've got a relationship with the people running the show, so they can have more of a say on how it goes. But in the end, McAtee's obviously gone. No, you know what? I'm happy with that. I'm happy. I mean, he might have seen the amount of money on offer as well. I don't know exactly how much it is. But I've heard it's big, but again, I don't know what big means for a 19 year old yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's no context there is
0: no exactly because like it's not going to be underground a week but imagine like imagine me and you golf at 30 grand a week do you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah do what you want um so yeah and in terms of signing that contract um from the player's side it was kind of oh no the the decision to stay is just football based you know it's not there's not really anything um to say on the contract but um um, give it a few days <laughs> Why I, I would say very cryptically there um, give it a few days and we'll see how it goes um, I, don't, I don't expect him to necessarily play too much against Fulham at the weekend but I suppose from City's point of view they're hoping do you remember that Birmingham game in the FA Cup a couple of years ago Yeah, where it was like 3-0 up really early and they just brought on like felix nemecha like and so others really soon maybe even Palmer. i can't remember but they just brought kids on really early so i'm thinking Palmer may not even play because you know they're all coming back from a break and guardiola will want them you know in the in the groove before the premier league game starts but you'd think maybe and hopefully Palmer will get half an hour at least and and will get half an hour at least and we'll get another look at them
1: yeah um just uh, just before we move on sam are are you not on 30 grand a week for the podcast like me are you not um There's uh, a few other questions to rattle through from uh, Twitter before we get into Raheem Sterling. Um, EJ David has uh, been in touch to say, uh, I wanted to ask about Diaz and why he didn't play against Chelsea a few weeks ago. I did send yeah, in a question sure a few that. months ago about <laughs> Stones and Laporte playing together more as the best ball-playing centre-backs. Was the Arsenal game a reason why Diaz was dropped? I felt like he was targeted with their press, and it's known now he's not as good on the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's all fair. I don't, I don't know. That was my suspicion. Um, like I think I tweeted before the Chelsea game, if I was gonna guess, I think Guardiola was expecting more pressing from Chelsea than they actually delivered. But obviously if you're expecting it, then you're gonna be thinking, Okay, we'll need the people who are best on the ball. But then again, that's difficult to know because you know, there would have been games when they've been pressed before. You know, they've played Liverpool a fair few times, and it's the only time I can remember that Diaz hasn't played. Yeah. In a big game like that, I think we've we've talked about the times Diaz has been rested and that's been after international breaks, hasn't it? Like, because he plays all the time for City, and then he goes and plays all the time for Portugal, and then he comes back, and I think Pep must be like, yeah, you have a, you have a rest a, a rest now because it's Burnley at home kind of thing. Um, so it's interesting that he missed out in that one. I think some people replied saying he hasn't played that well recently, um, so maybe it's that. And you know, nobody's maybe nobody's above Guardiola's, you know, show it on the pitch kind of thing. Um, I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, my theory is the same. Um, also, saying I know the way that the question was posed and the, the way you posed it, and the way I'm saying it makes it sound very brutal, but he's not as good on the ball as um, Stones and Laporte. Like he's, yeah. he is really good. Don't get me wrong; he's no mug, but I think those two are next level, aren't they?
1: Yeah, elite level sort like, uh, of. If uh, they're yeah.
0: like nine or nine and a half, ten out of ten, you know, Diaz is probably like hey, You know, he's still really good at it, but those two are just um, they're just a bit more penetrative. Maybe they can break the lines a bit easier. Um, switch to play a bit easier, and these are things that Diaz does for sure. But I just think they're they're more consistent with it, and a bit more precise and and quicker. Um, and yeah, we've I mean, we've always kind of speculated for a while that in a, in a way, Stones and Laporte. I think the best way to say it, if you, if you were playing FIFA, you'd, you'd probably pick Stones and Laporte all the time because yeah. you know they're kind of big and strong and quick and great. You know, great attributes. I don't even know what the FIFA ratings would be, but obviously in real life, whatever Diaz has got. You know, the ability to shout at somebody. You know, it It, it counts for a hell of a <laughs> lot and that's why... You can't imagine Jones or Laporte shouting at anyone ever, can you?
1: No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: I um, do know what you mean. So it's like th- there is there is huge value there in what Diaz does. You know, he's he's great for the back line but it doesn't make you think in certain games maybe. Maybe the back line's now um, stabilised to such an extent that he doesn't always have to be in it in terms of not just what the back line does but how you know the frontline presses and yeah, you know, organised and whatever, and, and it's something whatever. you
1: can't always kind of quantify with just stats like yeah, strength you never, and speed you never, never, you never yeah yeah
0: exactly and like in fact I, I wrote an article after the Southampton game about it. This was something I did when I think we might have talked about it actually. This is something I did talked about on the radio when I did the commentary for that game and Man City tactics talked about it as well on Twitter. Um, and then I I did an article on the back of it as well. But him hit the way he kind of challenges especially high up the pitch against Southampton when teams are trying to get out and relieve pressure he'll just like fly in super aggressive but like I was speaking with Nadim about this a few weeks ago stupidly at like midnight on a Friday which is ridiculous Um, but we were talking about Jules won and headers won or whatever but you know his his, his stats are pretty low but then you look at the context of that and it's because he's going for balls that he's got no right to win and he's not winning them but the other guy is certainly not getting a clean pass off. So he's done his job. So, you know, Guardiola's not gonna haul him in and say, Your jewels are you know, you've only won forty percent of your jewels. He's gonna be saying keep going. So yeah, it's that kind of thing. You can't really quantify yeah. these kind of I, things with numbers I, or whatever.
1: I always think of that as well as, as like the pressing thing is that it's that that a lot of people don't like the the um you know, strikers chasing down the goalkeepers when there's when the goalkeeper's got time and space to pick a pass sort of thing. But it's not about that, it's about forcing pressure on that pass to make it a bad pass and you might yeah. not win the ball on that press but you might win it two or three presses later and it's uh, and that's that's kind of uh, where they yeah, might like, skew you, it out of play or something just yeah, something just to you, get the ball you back you influence
0: yeah. people's movements so like um, like the Southampton the first goal you know Foden didn't even Foden didn't track back but he didn't he didn't get out to Carl Walker Peters when he first got the ball so Walker Peters could just advance where he wanted whereas if Foden had gone over he might have forced him to go back inside and then that, that move never really unfolded really so happen. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's stuff like that but yeah but like, if we're talking about the difference between the other two centre backs and, and Diaz in terms of passing, like this this article I did on his aggressiveness. Like, if you see Stones and Laporte do it, they all have to do it, and they all go and challenge for the ball. But like sometimes, you know, they'll just run up behind them, and they, the guy passes it off, and they don't get close enough, and and that's it. They have to run back into position. They're not as good at doing it as Diaz is. So it, it's just kind of horses for courses, really.
1: Yeah, well, uh, kind of on a similar vein then in that case, Simon Phillips has been in touch to say, uh, for a big game, Champions League uh, or top six, who would you put in City's strongest eleven right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, that is always difficult, isn't it? But I think somebody DM'd me that the other day. I think it was somebody else. And it's normally, and I think this is how the DM was posed, but this is what I normally see on Twitter or have done over the years. But it's like, if City were playing the Champions League final tomorrow, who would be in the team? But my answer is always, who are they playing against? Um, and as we've seen from a Champions League final you know Guardiola has his reasons whatever they are for doing some stuff that we would never pick anyway do you know what I mean obviously it didn't work in Porto um, but you know a lot of the things he does do look if City hadn't beat Chelsea we'd have been talking about why Diaz didn't play it would have been much more of a talking point but obviously because they won, not they didn't have any problems defensively no one was bothered and that's how it goes um, but I mean that all said Oh, it's difficult. But I think I've got an idea in my in my head of an eleven I like, let's just say. And there's gonna be players who miss out here that I don't even want them to miss out, but what can you do? Um but obviously look, if they were playing Liverpool, it might be different. If they were playing Chelsea, it might be different if they're playing Atletico Madrid for argument's sake. With different. different their style is, it'll be different. But I'll go with Edison, Walker, Diaz. Oh, Laporte and Stones are so close. I, Laporte's played so much, but I feel like he hasn't played much better than Stones. He's had good games, don't get me wrong. He was very good against Chelsea, but he's also had some bad games. That's a difficult one. I think I'd go, I think I would go with Laporte just for that left-footed balance, you know? Um, And, yeah, difficult, difficult. I think Stones has probably had the better 18 months, even though Laporte's come back in. Uh, but maybe just for the balance... I go with Laporte, but you can hear from my reasoning there. You know, it's really, really um, tough. I'm decision. conflicted. Yeah. I mean, like like I said before, if you'd have asked me this three or four months ago, I would have maybe made a case of Sinchenko. But I mean, it has to be Cancelo now, doesn't it? Whoever they're playing against, I think. Yeah. Um, although it'd be interesting to see if Pep actually shares that opinion. Um, I'm sure he probably does. Um, Rodri, obviously, I would go with Bernardo and Gundogan in midfield. I wish I could tell you why Gundogan hasn't played so much recently. I did ask somebody, and I may have said this on the last one. Didn't reply, such so as for that. Um, <laughs> Oh, I I like I think you should always try and get De Bruyne in, and I like what he does as a false nine. So I'm thinking De Bruyne is a false nine, and I like Foden on the left, and then it's, Mares or Sterling on the right. And obviously, I, I don't think he, I don't think you can fault Marez, can you? He's no. obviously had a better year. He's had a better year than Sterling. Sterling's shown that he's 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 come back and done really well recently, and he's shown that you know he's he's by no means past it or anything like that. Um, But if I was picking that team and looking purely at what I can see, obviously I can't see training performances, but you have to be fair and you think, there's no reason for me to pick anybody over Mahrez because even when he wasn't playing, and he's barely played many Premier League games this season, certainly August, September, October, November. He's still like, I think he's still the top scorer. Um, Since the start of 2021, he's got more goals and more assists than anybody else. Always plays well when he comes in. Um, Or like nine times out of 10 anyway, which is... About as much as you can ask I'd have to go with Myra's I think Yeah yeah. So yeah Myra's Ma- on the right De Bruyne was a false nine and and Foden on the left
1: Yeah it's, Either way it's a decent team <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. JC9320 has been in touch to say Love the pod both uh, Thanks very much for that Um Cheers. What are the chances of Pep staying for a decade? I feel his recent comments are encouraging How does the transfer business for a striker in the summer change if he is or isn't staying? <laughs>
0: I don't think the transfer business changes that much. I mean, look, maybe Harlan thinks, well, I'm not, I'm not coming if, if he's only here for another year. You know, if maybe if if the top target is like, well, how long is Pep staying for? And they're like, oh well, we can't tell you. Or maybe they do when, when United signed Van Persie and like, and did they sign Kagawa as well in the same summer? And like, they were like, oh, don't worry, Ferguson's going to be here forever. And then he uh, left. Then he re- left at the end of the year. And they completely fucked them both. Really. Um, I mean, maybe they do that. Um, I don't know. Um, it's a weird one on on Pep's future in terms of the ten years. Who was saying to me recently about ten years? And our city like that. I think I'd be surprised if he did ten. Um, but I don't know. Um, in fact, this is this helps kind of clear this up a bit because I was sent a message in the end of December from a colleague who said he knows somebody who's hitting with City Info, and he was saying Pep's going to sign a new contract and it will be announced in January. Obviously, now we're on February the first, so I, know. Um, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't miss a scoop on that um I mean, I've heard some stuff that not not. I haven't heard that he's going in concrete terms. I've heard some stuff that suggests that he might, um but it's only a suggestion, really.
1: Is is the truth here really that he doesn't know either at this stage? Because it's yeah. still. I mean, oh, this the, is
0: this is why the conversation was so familiar. We had it on the 19320 charity podcast last week. Ah, right for the Manchester Food Bank. So that's why I was thinking. Well, I'm sure I've had this conversation re- recently in the ten years and stuff. Um. Yeah, and so the point I made when I was asked that was when he signed the, the last contract in the November, he didn't even know. I'm pretty sure, anyway. He didn't even know, like, two weeks before he signed it. Nobody knew. He didn't. And then he went to the Maldives, and he talked about how Khaldun kind of convinced him when he found his spark again and all of that. And, um, and that's how it went then. So I don't think so. I don't think it'd be something he's thinking about now, because… He won't be thinking the league title's won. He'll be thinking, you know, obviously the Champions League, anything can happen. You know, they could get to the final again. They could win it. They could go out in the quarterfinals. I mean, they could go out in the last 16, probably not. Um, I don't think he'll be thinking about it at the minute. There's always that thing, always gets said. If he were to win the Champions League, everybody says it, whether it's fans or or people around the game or agents or whatever, or people around Pep, they always seem to suggest, there's always a whisper that he'll, he'll go when if, if and when they win the Champions League. I remember in 2018-19, obviously when city won the domestic treble and city went out of the champions league relatively early didn't they obviously it wasn't it wasn't really early but it was still middle of april yeah and i remember being um being down in london for an away game even before that and there was pretty reliable talk there that if pep had won fair enough the quadruple that season which was what third season at city that he yeah. would have gone that was there because I'm, it was the I'm, end
1: of his first contract wasn't it
0: yeah uh Oh, yeah, been, his,
1: his first contract would have been 16 17 17
0: 18 18 19 uh he not he sign a new one though as soon as they won the title
1: yeah it was it, it was at the end of his After second the season, point season yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah but anyway the yeah, i suppose you, you could you could maybe say that and then i'm i'm sure i heard the same kind of rumor again last year um but um i I, don't, I never know what to think about that but you think if they were to win the treble this season maybe you'll just think right okay that's a good way to call it quits but again the so city will always want to keep him. The lot, you know, they know and we know and he knows he's in a great environment, probably the best environment he's ever going to get, let's be honest. Um, so yeah, the, the answer is nobody knows. Um, but as long as he's still got that desire and maybe the... I don't, I always want to say that the team gets a refresh because whenever he talks about this he always talks about the players still listening to his ideas and getting fresh blood and new faces and when you're together for five or six years it gets a bit old but you know he was saying that at the end of last season he was expecting a big change in the summer and it didn't happen and they're still great so maybe his thoughts on that are different as well Um, but yeah I think there's there's definitely an option for there's definitely a chance you know that he'll sign another contract but um, you just you just you just never know Yeah. Um, yeah we'll have to see
1: yeah. Um, final question from the audience. Uh, Francis Falls uh, has been in touch to say, has anyone at the club intimated that Grealish will be rotated into a number eight position before the end of the season, or will he be played only on the left or as a false nine? I know he has serious competition with Bernardo, Gundwin, De Bruyne, and others at eight, though.
0: Yeah. Well, there was a lot of a lot of talk behind the scenes about him being used as an eight when he signed in the summer. I think that was largely impacted by Bernardo staying. Um, and also, I think, I don't know, maybe in a similar way to how um, Foden, Palmer and McAtee are all attacking midfielders in terms of like no, number eights, number 10s. But they're, you know, they're all being used in the front line, really, or McAtee probably will be. And maybe that's a Guardiola thing as well. It's like you, you can maybe make a bit more of an impact in the front line and, and get used to what we need to do and maybe need a bit more, I don't know, responsibility or maturity or age or whatever. Um, before you can go back into midfield. Obviously, Foden's old. Uh, sorry, Grealish is older than them. But in terms of his newness to City, maybe that's an element as well. Um, so towards the end of the season, I don't know, because uh, he's obviously playing a lot as a false nine now. I think he's doing quite well as a false nine. He's only done it three or four times. Um, he's obviously... Guardiola likes him on the left too. And there's a load of options in midfield to the extent that a month ago, a bit more than a month ago, you'd probably... No, sorry, two months ago, let's say, start of December you would have been saying um, Gundogan and Bernardo is the best midfield pairing, or you could argue that. And, uh, you know, De Bruyne has to go and play false nine. But De Bruyne has been playing with Bernardo recently and Gundogan can't get in as well. So, um, yeah, there there is competition everywhere. I'd be surprised now if Grealish is too much in the middle of midfield um, before the end of the season. But I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of next season we see a bit more.
1: Uh, right, well, let's move on to uh, the topic that we promised for this week's show. Uh, we promised to yeah. look at uh, Sterling's return to form. Uh, so we're going to do the second part of today's show on him. Uh, perhaps it's a bit harsh of us to focus on him again so soon uh, after we've done a, a show all about him recently, but uh, it's only really fair to look at how he's regained his place in the team after focusing so much on why he wasn't in the team earlier in the season, Sam. So. Um, what's yeah, changed? Sure. What, what's changed, do you think? Is it is it uh, like, I feel like he's been used a lot more on the right in the last few weeks, and that was almost... Yeah. the the kind of kickstart to his confidence again. And because I'm not, I'm not saying that he can't play well on the left, because I think in this spell he has he played well can. on the left. And he, he's yeah. been, he's, I mean, Guardiola's used him in the left in this in this spell where, where we said he's regained his form. Um, so what what do you think has
0: changed? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people, do you remember when he, he came on against Bruges on the right, looked quite confident, scored the, the kind of tap-in goal, not so much the far post, but arriving into that kind of far post, middle of the not spot six yard box area and that was around the time people were like I oh, we just need to score a goal and get his confidence back and it seemed like that did happen in that Bruce yeah. game simple as that um, it seems to be that you know people people around him are kind of saying that to seem to believe that that is the case as well um, like do you remember earlier in the season I asked Guardiola why he doesn't play on the left and he just kind of gave me one of those answers like doesn't it was a bit fob fobbing off really yeah and I, on that particular day I didn't really have the appetite or energy to to to, to change to chase it um, but it was always interesting wasn't it and I think um, I think Sterling prefers playing on the right Foden does as well actually it's probably the reason for that slip there um, prefers playing on the right for Sterling um, so I think that helps I think you know there's obviously benefits as well um, you know when you're coming in off the left and you've got no natural width. It can get very narrow, can't it? He can get bogged down. He's not playing against the same kind of defenses now that he was in eighteen nineteen. Yeah, there's more people blocking off the spaces and knowing what city are going to do and how they're going to use Sterling. And obviously, that's been the case since twenty nineteen twenty, which didn't really go well for anyone, really, did it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, back on the right, he got the opportunity to 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 run outside of his man, um, put crosses in, um, cut it back, maybe. Um, bit of confidence as well. So I mean, I did write an article about this a couple of weeks ago, and I think this is why it's good to do. I mean, look, this isn't really a, a, a Sterling focus, is it? It's more like fifty percent of the podcast. Yeah. Um, but in terms of doing it again, it's earlier in the season. He wasn't playing well, and you know, I think a lot of people listening to it or just watching Sterling in general, it would have been easy. It would have been easy to think for them, not sure what's going on here. You know, he's really tailing off can he do it and I think we probably ended that last podcast by saying can he turn it around and I went yes but that's purely based on like faith that he can do it rather than having seen like hard evidence evidence, yeah you know what I mean yeah it wasn't like oh well he is actually doing this and he is getting into these positions which I suppose there was a bit of but I suppose when he was getting into those positions the end product wasn't good was it but I just kind of had that that faith that he would do it because he is a good player and he he would find a way. Um, it's now easy to believe that. I think having seen his performances in December, it's easy to see what he brings to the team. Um, again, if you if you remember that Leicester game, when I think it was very rare, but even in his earlier seasons with Pep, he didn't even get the opportunity to run one on one at a fullback like that. But he was absolutely rinsing Leicester yeah. in that first twenty minutes, half an hour in, in particular. It's unbelievable there on the left. And like his dribbling was just superb. He was so dangerous. I don't think he had a direct hand in any of the goals, but I think he won one penalty, didn't he? And he, he was causing all kinds of problems. He was great there. Was, on the right, we've seen it as well. So we've that, seen that his, was
1: my memory of, of Chelsea as well, though against uh, Alonso. Yeah, he it? It was very yeah.
0: good against. He was very good against Chelsea. Could have. I mean, what happened? He was offside, wasn't he? But he would have had a penalty, or there was an offside, but he would have had a penalty because um, he got fouled there. Um, yeah, and it's just it's easier now this is how things work in football, isn't it? When a player's having a bad spell, it's easy to think, right, you, you only see what your eyes can show you and you think, well, this is it now. Like, what's the point? It's not going very well. It's not working out. And less so at City because it, p- players don't generally have that bad a spell. But at other clubs, you just think, what's the point in this guy? And then they go somewhere else and they're great. Um, and then you start thinking, oh, well, the, the old club missed out. But now, obviously, the City version of that is Sterling wasn't playing too well, but now he's playing well again. It's easier to imagine that he will get back to the top of his game. Um and that's just from what we can see. And then behind the scenes in this article I did a couple of weeks ago, um yeah, he just really wasn't happy. In not in a not so much in an angry way. I'm sure there was a bit of anger there as well. But in a just kind of in a sad way. That you know he wasn't playing. Um lost his kind of status as one of the go to men. Obviously me, he was missing out on all the big games towards the end of the season with the very yeah. large the exception you- of the, the actual fucking Champions League final, yeah. which will. But you
1: look at Guardiola's entire tenure at City. When when he's wanted the players, when he's wanted goals, the two players he's turned to are Sterling and, and Aguero. And Aguero's not here anymore, and Sterling, it wasn't it just wasn't working. And you, I can understand, actually, how after you've been the go to guy for, what would it have been, four years at that point? Yeah. Like, yeah. just out of the team, can't get in the team, and just not feeling it. You can, I can understand how. How the how the mood is just sad and not necessarily angry, sad, but just like what's like I I don't understand why I'm not why it's not happening for me. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so I mean, and then once you get into that situation, this is why I always say like I've made the the example of like Sancho at United. Now, if you like, obviously that one of those examples is if the coaching's not great for you, then you're going to be struggling. But if you you get into that kind of spiral of negativity, or you know you're not feeling yourself, you're not going to perform at your best, and that's why. You know, going back to what we're saying now about revisiting this topic a few months later now he's playing better you you can see how players can, can break out of that and he is breaking out of that but yeah at the start of last season you know, despite having played so well um, for England at the Euros because um, I think he had talked with Southgate around the spring as well when he wasn't playing so much with City and was like look it's just going to affect me Playing for England and Southgate was like, no, don't worry, like you, you, you are a key player and you're really key for us. So he was never really expected to have any problems with England, and obviously he didn't. Then he came back to City. He played the first game at Spurs, which I, th- I believe was incredibly difficult to do because he he had no pre-season. He just yeah, played so undercooked. Which, which yeah, exactly. But then he didn't play again, did he? And I think, I think it was. I put in the article. He started two of the first eleven Premier League games of the season. Um But obviously he's started eleven of the last thirteen, which goes to show how much he's back in. But at that point, you think. He was unsure what was going on anyway at the end of last season in terms of not playing and losing his place. Played well for England, come back to City, and now he's not playing again. You know he was playing in Champions League games, which had obviously become that kind of second eleven, or in you know when they played Wickham, he he started in that. You know, which you start to think, come on, the main guys were obviously playing in the Premier League. Yeah. Um. So he had a meeting with the club around September, saying, "Look, I wouldn't mind a loan move," which I was like. Surely they said no chance. Because like we know what city do when a player wants to go. They say, Okay, well bring us an offer and you can go then because they don't want to keep anyone who's unhappy, do they? But even I was like, surely they're gonna surely they're gonna say no to that. How can you replace Sterling in like a player as good as Sterling, even okay, even if he's not in his best form, like replacing somebody like him in January is it's impossible. But they said, Well, okay, if you've got an offer or you, know, you can find something that you want to do then bring it to us and that was when you know those talks about Barcelona which nobody really took seriously but a lone move you know that that was something that Sterling would have been happy with and is something that city would have entertained but then for whatever reason and I don't know exactly why but they changed um, to Ferran Torres yeah. um, probably because of the longevity of it and you know Spanish player and young player and you know, next generation of you know they've got loads of young Spanish players there, which I think we've talked about before. So yeah, the mad thing about that is Sterling was just kind of I, I want to get a loan move to kind of fall back in love with the game, rediscover my spark because it's not it's not necessarily going right here. Um, so that's that's what he wanted to do. Um, but then obviously the Barcelona thing kind of dried up anyway because it was around November time, wasn't it? That The Torres thing happened and then it got into December and he obviously still wasn't playing up until that point too much. But then it got into December when he started playing more and it's kind of turned again to the point where he's obviously happier now because he's in, in the team. Um yeah. But, but then, in terms of a contract, who knows?
1: Well, then then we get to Southampton um, and there's. I, I want to bring in this question from uh, Kelmama Usama who uh, got in touch to say, Sterling being brought off after 50-something minutes by Pep, the man who doesn't normally even make changes to the team. Is it a bad sign for him? Is it the end of the adventure perhaps? Um, which I think is a little bit um I, I, th- I think it's a little bit um, kind of premature and harsh because I, I, I look at the Sterling performance and I was going to kind of come in and say, well, I think like, the, the performance that he put in at, Stirling, uh, at uh, Southampton wasn't fantastic. Um, but at the start of the season, it would have been typical for his form. Right now, it's the outlier, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, if that had happened a month ago when Sterling didn't have, you know, the player of the month for December under his belt and Guardiola had taken him off early, you would be like, yeah, something's not right there. And it's almost like, well, I've given you a chance and so you're not doing it, so you're coming off. And because, as as the question says, uh, Guardiola doesn't make early, early subs for anyone, really. And like even, yeah, it's just it was unusual, wasn't it? And I remember that West Ham game in Mahrez's first season where he, he took off Marez and Sane after about 12 minutes of the second half um, Mares wasn't having a great time then you know a few months into arriving and obviously that was kind of towards the beginning of the end for Sane so there might be something in it um, but you know maybe he just thought I don't like this performance and I needed to change and generally I think he, even though maybe on the outside, we're saying, why don't you change this? Why don't you change that? I think he does like the performance. So maybe he's just like, he recognised it was a bad performance, which he doesn't normally get, maybe. But then I suppose people will be listening to this thing. certainly's had loads of bad performances and he's played 90 minutes. Yeah. So it's a, diff- it's a difficult one. It's a really good question. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's 100% indicative of Guardiola thinking, right, this is it now. Because he's played so many games and I think, and he's played so well. So I don't think Guardiola would lose patience that quickly b- based on, whatever's gone on in the past. Um but it is an interesting one. And I mean the whole point of the article is and you know it's a bit stupid because you're supposed to, you know, as a journalist you're supposed to tell people what's going on. But what's going on at the minute is there is no news. Um, you know, it was it was reported the other week that he's kind of changed his mind and he's going to sign a new contract. But um it's still it's still kind of wait and see because he wasn't going to sign a new contract last year or over the summer because he was like, well if I'm not playing, why would I want to sign up? To that, it's a World Cup year as well now. Um, but in, obviously, we just for all those reasons we talked about being sad about it, not playing in the team or whatever. You're not. You're just not. It's just a fact, isn't it? You're not going to sign up for a contract. Yeah. if you're not sure where you're going to be playing, why would you commit to another you know, three or four years of that and then like you sit on the bench for 18 months and you're like oh can I go and it's like well you've got a contract for three years mate so no um, and yeah so he's he's back in the team now and that's obviously more positive positive. and if he gets to the end of the season and he's in the team playing as regularly and as well as he does now I'd speculate that there's a much better chance of him signing the contract but I think he's wary that you know in December January there's a lot of games there's a lot of rotation there's been a lot of COVID and he's probably thinking It's not a typical period of the season. And also, he's probably also thinking, I say probably, I think he is. He got to March last year when he fell out of the team. So he's thinking, what happens in March this time? What happens if City gets to the Champions League quarterfinals, semi-finals, and he's not playing again? And if they get to the end of the season and he's not playing regularly, and it's a bit like last season, again, I could speculate that he probably wouldn't sign a new contract. And then it comes down to, because he'd only have a year left on his deal, would City say, "Well, we need to get some value for you," and he's probably thinking, "Well, I need to go and play." So maybe, maybe it comes to that. But like I say, it's not decided yet. It a lot's going to be decided in the next four or five months. Yeah, um, you know, City obviously want him to stay, and they want him to stay and play well. And if he if he does, then they'll they'll offer him a new contract. And if he is staying, if he is playing well and and playing often. Um, there's a there's a good chance he'll sign it. I mean, maybe he'll still be tempted by a, a nice offer to go and play in Spain, which is something I think that's always appealed to him. I mean, that's possible. I'm just speculating. That's possible. But I think it's obviously more likely to sign a contract if he is playing. And if he's not, he, he may well go. Yeah. But we'd we'd just have to wait and see. And that's not a cop out answer. Like I think if you if you were to have a private conversation with Raheem Sterling and you signed a non disclosure agreement, they'd tell you the complete truth and you couldn't tell anyone in the world or you have to pay him a billion pounds. I think it'd probably tell you the same thing. Yeah. I'd like to think. So, um, yeah, that's where it is.
1: Do you think he... I mean, you you briefly mentioned before about the Fulham game at the weekend, about how strong Guardiola's going to go. Because um, I, I suspect this is going to be one of those games where we look at the team sheet and go, that is hilariously strong. Um, do you think he yeah, keeps his yeah, place for that? Sure.
0: I'm trying to remember how Mahrez and Sterling both fit into the team when they were both there in terms of the end of December. So I'm trying remember the Villa game when Sterling played on the left and played well. Um, Maris played on the right, I think. The Leicester game, Sterling definitely played on the left. Did Maris play on the right against Leicester on Boxing Day? Oh, that's so. a
1: question. I think he played it. Yeah, I think he did.
0: Um, Because De Bruyne played. It wasn't as a false nine. It was just as another attacking midfielder, wasn't it? But yeah, so... um. But then it's difficult, isn't it? Because it was that was around the time Foden and Grealish were a bit in the doghouse. I think they had COVID as well. I'm trying to remember how their COVID overlapped with Sterling because I think he had it as well. Um, They might have all had it at the same time. But in in terms of who plays against Fulham at the weekend, I just don't know. Like, I can confidently predict, even if I'm wrong, I can confidently predict from the goalkeeper up until the number eight. And then as soon as he gets to the front line, just no idea. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll all... I suppose this is where it's difficult with McAtee and Palmer as well because it's like you think maybe some of them will play forty-five minutes, or some of them will play an hour to get their sharpness back, and some of them, you know, let's say Foden and De Bruyne don't start, but they come on for half an hour. Uh, yeah, that makes it harder for the other two. Um, so, I mean, maybe prepare ourselves for that situation as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, like I said, it goes back to me picking that best eleven. Like, I, if it was me personally, I'd be like, "Well, Marez, you you can play then." And mm, I don't know, but maybe Sterling on the left. Because I don't think Foden's been brilliant recently. Um, so there's an opportunity there. But obviously the fact that, going back to the other question about Guardiola taking Sterling off after 55 minutes, you think maybe he's not so high in the pecking order either. So it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, just want to ask as well before we finish, uh, On I think it was on the Sterling show uh, that we did uh, earlier in the season, you mentioned a tweet by his publicist. Remind me what that was and did you get to the bottom of it?
0: Yeah, So so this was only a couple of weeks ago and this is when there was that story um, that he was going to sign a new, you know, he changed his mind. He was going to sign a new contract. And there was a tweet. There was kind of a, uh, what what'd what you call it? It wasn't aimed at anything in particular, but it was about an hour after that story came out and it was like, you know, I wish people would kind of, how, how, how could people run exclusives without checking or whatever? So it may not have been, it may not have been linked to that um, in particular, but you know, if you look at the timing, um, and I speculated then if that if it was related then um it, it suggests that not only is that story wrong but if it is wrong then he hasn't changed his mind and he, and he does want to go um so in terms of getting to the bottom of that yeah I've done a bit of digging around and it's basically what I was saying before so it's not I don't think it's certain that he does want to go for sure because ultimately if he's if he's playing and playing well at city I think he he's probably thinking there's no real better place to play so i don't think it's decided for sure that he's going to go um but yeah i think yeah the reaction was kind of related to that story in the sense that he's certainly not decided to stay yet like he might do but that's not been
1: it all depends on the situation
0: but that's not you know that's not the situation as it is now like if he it doesn't sound like god maybe i've been Told a load of a load of bullshit. But I said this in the summer. There was a story in the summer that he was going to sign a new contract, like when he got back from England. And I was I always remember thinking, Am I way off? Like am I way off here? Because everything I understood about the situation then was there's no way he was gonna sign. I was like, maybe he'll sign one in like November or December if his situation changes. But um I didn't think he was gonna sign one in the summer. And it's the same thing now, like now it's obviously it's not November December because he was still wasn't in the team then. But you know maybe if it gets to three four months and he's still in then 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 yeah. But I don't I don't think there's going to be anything. You know I'm really kind of nailing my credibility to the mast here. But I don't <laughs> I, re- I really don't think there's he's going to sign a new contract in the next one or two months. I, re- I really don't. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that's so that's where it's at. But like I say, that's not to say he's not going to. It's just not done. It's just not yeah. decided because some things in football are, yeah you can't know
1: you can't know and uh, you can only find out when they happen that's uh, that's how it happens sometimes isn't it uh, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Why Always Us so thank you as ever to Sam Lee thanks very much uh, don't forget you can sign up to The Athletic right now with a 33% discount just use the code MANCITYPOD
0: The Athletic